0: Welcome back everybody. Thank you for joining us and continue to get your learn on. We hope that you are doing well. I am one of your hosts Yvonne Brandenburg and I'm joined by the lovely Jordan Porter. Hey girl. Hey. Hey. (laughs) Hi.
1: <laughs> and we'll probably hear a guest appearance from Penguin, who's doing better. My baby chicken. <laughs> Penguin's alive! <laughs> Penguin's very much alive. Um, she's still very, like, needy. Like, I don't know. I can't. I have yet to see her eat on her own. Oh. She's drinking this, like, special supplement that I got for her. And she's pooping, so she's must be taking in enough. But, like, every day I have to, like, clean. She's not a normal chicken. <laughs> like, that's just <laughs> all there is to it
0: oh my god it's so funny oh freaking so in the background she so she's our guest for the week she is yeah she's like i got things to say guys <laughs> let's see what are, do we have any updates any
1: um other than acvm is coming up soon Woo-hoo! yeah ACVM's next month so traveling starts soon uh, the kids get All out right. of school next wednesday so really yeah ready yeah for the summer yep holy crap this yeah. seems really
0: early why does that seem early
1: it is a little earlier than normal huh like man <laughs> normally it's like june like beginning of june that they get out but um for some reason they're out on the 25th this year of may oh, for memorial well. day interesting Yeah, kids, kids at
0: home uh
1: yeah i yeah it's like i'm torn like i'm excited to not have to wake up early on my days off to like get them to school but like <laughs> at the same time they're gonna be home and like bored with me a lot of the time.
0: Yeah, being a kid.
1: <laughs> Bailey's going to camp pretty early in the summer. And then like we're gonna try to take a trip up to Ohio to like drop them off and see family and stuff.
0: That'll be cool. That'll be that'll be a fun, fun little go have fun and not be here. Yeah. <laughs> uh I know it's like I, I think about it and I'm like I don't I mean I have a couple of things planned for this summer but nothing nothing super exciting <laughs> at least not yet I don't know we'll see how it goes yeah it's I
1: funny. feel yeah I feel like I'm in like a bit of a fog like I don't really know what to expect right now <laughs> like-
0: Ooh, yeah oh I hate those days well um I know we don't have a ton of updates but uh Well, yeah, I guess just jump in this week. So, (laughs) um, it's funny because last week we talked about stomatitis and then this week we're talking about eosinophilic granuloma complex in cats, which, um, I, it's funny that we went with two like mouth things for cats in a row.
1: <laughs> and yeah. I'm like,
0: oh, this is normally also not super internal medicine. Like, I've definitely seen it, like, in internal medicine, but that's usually not why they're coming to see us. Yeah, it's usually like a additional thing <laughs> that we're seeing. So, um it's kind of interesting. It with both stomatitis and the eosinophilic granuloma complex. They're both immune related diseases, which is kind of interesting. Um, so, you know, it definitely falls into our, our realm of internal medicine with that. Yeah. Um, so I've got a couple of resources, which were good. Um, so definitely the Cornell um, Feline Health Center. I love Cornell Feline Health Center for cat stuff. It's some really good um, articles and they're nice because you can actually like give them to clients too.
1: Mm -hmm. So they're not
0: just random Googling things,
1: which we know how much we love it when the clients Google. Oh, I know. I've had so many clients like recently, they're like, I've Googled. So now I'm scared. I'm like, stop doing that.
0: Right. Oh my God. It could be, it could be anything from you cut your finger to you're dying. (laughs) Um, the other website that i went to is the international cat care which is kind of a a good website for just cat stuff obviously Merck manual and uh, veterinary partners from ben so those are kind of the the biggies and then and then of course can't leave us out the internal medicine book yeah so small animal internal medicine for veterinary technicians and nurses book so those are kind of the big the biggies as far as like where i got this information um but if you've ever seen, um, cats with these, you know, cinophilic complex, like the, the lesions,
1: mm-hmm.
0: they, um, there's three ways that they can present. Um, but they leave it even though they're they they look very different. Well, not very different. They look different, but they're still considered like the same, the same thing thing. Yeah. yeah. Because like, on biopsy, they look very similar as far as like because it's eosinophils, right? So there's a lot of eosinophilic invasion into those those cells. So they they are keeping them together, um, although they do look different with presentation. Um, and cats apparently can have one of the three presentations or all three of the three uh, of the presentations, like they can have any mix of those. Um, just depends on the underlying cause and how severe the allergy is. Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. So these lesions um, typically can look like oozing masses, <laughs> yellow Yummy. pink ulcerations, or big tumor-like bumps. <laughs> it's like, oh, dang. So we can have uh, quite a few presentations. So um, from the Cornell website, which uh, great information great information. Um, most of these are, are lesions that kind of, um, pop up and they have eosinophils in them. Um, eosinophils, if you guys remember, they're kind of associated with like allergic reactions. So they release inflammatory chemicals. So like histamines and all that fun business. Um, especially when they kind of encounter, um, a parasitic invasion, but the problem is with these these patients, there usually they're usually isn't a parasite that is invaded, um, and so it's like this this inappropriate response by the immune system. Um, you can have parasites, obviously, that cause the immune reaction, but then you treat for the parasites and it goes away. But this is this is one of those things where there aren't parasites present, and so it's. Uh, without the parasites, it's kind of primary. If it's with parasites, then it's a secondary thing.
1: If mm-hmm. does that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Oh, good. I'm like, did I explain that a really?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so w- when we think of like histamine and all these chemicals and things that are released, um, that's those clinical signs of allergies that we see. So the itching, swelling, inflammation. Um, so, you know, histamine release. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, so w- things that can be related to um, eosinophilic granuloma complex um, is flea allergies, so um, flea allergy dermatitis, right. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be mosquito bites or mites um, or any other kind of bugs that bite and that can inject saliva into the animal's system. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so gross. Yeah. Um so it, in, in the mosquito, I thought the mosquito bite thing was kind of interesting because I know like I've seen cats come in and we see these lesions and we're like, well, we don't see flea dirt like yeah, but it could be that they got bit by something else. Yeah. And that's what they're allergic to. So that's I don't know, for me that was kind of an interesting Oh, huh, like it could look like a flea allergy dermatitis, but not actually be from fleas. Which yeah,
1: really that'd interesting. be interesting.
0: Um, the other thing that that we can see is a system uh, systematic reaction to things like antibiotics, heart medications, which I thought was interesting. I don't know why specifically heart medications. Yeah, that's. Interesting. Um, yeah, I was like, oh, okay. Uh, allergy inducing foods. And then of course, all the airborne pollens, uh, which yeah. are in full force right now. <laughs> can I, can I do a tangent really quickly? Absolutely. Speaking of airborne pollens, it is may things are blooming. There's a lot of wind. Yeah. Listen to last week's episode. I sounded like I had a cold (laughs) really bad at one point I was like, I can't talk. (laughs) Um, so one of my coworkers, she, um, she tested positive for COVID and she was like, for weeks I thought I had allergies and she doesn't have allergies and she was like, but then I woke up and I had like green snot instead of clear. And she was like, that's weird. So she tested and she tested positive. And I was like, Oh oh my God. So because I'm paranoid freak, (laughs) I immediately grabbed my home test and was like, do I have it? I don't. So I was like relieved to know it is still just allergies. Yeah. And then one of my friends, um, her husband was like, Oh yeah, I have allergies. I don't think it's a cold. And she was like, you're in your 40s and have never had allergies. I'm pretty sure you don't have allergies. So yeah, it was pretty funny. So he has a cold, not COVID. Thankfully, he tested negative. But it was just so funny. I was like,
1: "Do I have allergies or do I have COVID?"
0: I have allergies, unfortunately. Still a problem. So I could, I don't have any feline eosinophil granuloma complex. <laughs> so, thankfully, that's that's
1: always a good sign, <laughs> right? <laughs>
0: So, um, so yeah. And airborne stuff, especially if you live in places where there is a ton of pollen. Like if you've listened to Jordan, she talks about the insane pollen clouds that sometimes descend yep. from trees around her, which is insane. Um, and in California, everything's very pollen right now. So, um, our East, I'm just going to call it EGC because I can't keep saying eosinophilic granuloma complex. So EGC, Um, so we have three things that happen or three ways that it presents. So we have the eosinophilic granuloma, eosinophilic plaque, and then indolent, indolent ulcers, not indolent, indolent. So, um, the granuloma, um, this can be anywhere on the body. Um, it's commonly seen in the mouth. So on the tongue or on the palate. It can be seen on the back legs and foot pads. So, and especially like, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but like in between toes Mm -mm. where you get those big red, just inflamed,
1: horrible lesions. Um, This is something I I haven't really dealt with a a lot. Like I've seen it a few times, but it's not something I've dealt with.
0: It's one of those things like you don't, I don't see it super commonly. Um, But when you see it, you're like, oh, that looks horrible. Um, it could be nodular. So like this, I think of the things between the toes or it could be like a linear kind of thing though. The linear one, I think of more like on the legs and I don't, I, I don't know if it's just because of where it's at, but it's, um, it's a raised area. It's inflamed, it's thickened. Um, there's usually hair loss associated with it and then ulceration. And it may or may not have itching associated with it. Um, Mm -hmm. So just because they're not itching doesn't mean it's not this. Um, That's kind of one of the weird things about it. Um, It is actually, so the granuloma one, eosinophilic granuloma is the only one that has actual granuloma. Um, But the other two are still considered part of this, even though they don't technically have a granuloma which is weird. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, so eosinophilic plaque. So these again can be found anywhere on the body, but it's really common for us to see it on the belly. Um, so they're, they're like flat swellings on the skin that are usually red. They look, um, they can look a little bit like ringworm
1: lesions. That's what I was gonna, I was gonna say. I was like a picture ringworm. <laughs> like-
0: yeah, but it's usually not just like one of them. There's usually it's like multiple. So like if you've ever seen those cats with like the red lesions on their belly,
1: and yeah. they're usually
0: like they're they're barbering and over-grooming, and it's kind of yeah. like a moist and ulcerated looking. Yeah. Um, these ones are usually really itchy. And it was funny because when I was <laughs> when I was doing these notes, I was like, Oh, Princess Pumpkin Doodle totally had these. Nice. They would flare up like once a year, and I was like, "Oh my God, is it like?" I was like, "Is it a mast cell tumor? Is it all this?" And it's funny because I'm like, "Oh no, it is totally is eosinophilic plaque." And then I looked in the history, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that is what the dermatologist called it." So I thought that was funny that I was like, "Oh
1: yeah." Um, own diagnosis. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I mean, I did take her to the dermatologist, but it's funny that like, I don't know. I didn't Google it. Apparently back when she was diagnosed with it, I was just thankful it wasn't cancer. Yeah. So, um, so the other one is indolent ulcers or usually what I, the way I've heard it is rodent ulcers or kissing lesions. Um, so these are about 80% of all the cases, um, it's, it's more common to see it here. Um, they usually occur on the edges of the upper lip. They can be on one side or both sides. Um, they're typically on the front of the mouth. Um, the lips are ulcerated and m- there's marked, marked marked. <sighs> there's marked swelling that's there. So it's like those really thick. Yeah. Ulcerated lips.
1: I wonder if, um, they drool a little bit more Yes. or like rub their face. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's like, honestly, that's one of of ways that they present. Yeah, no, but that's true. Like if you think about it, it makes sense that that's how they present is owners will see like, um, eating changes or behavioral yeah. changes with the eating. And then that excessive salivation. Um, and then depending on, cause it, by itself it's usually not like smelly but if they get like a secondary infection they can have some like halitosis or something that the clients will notice um one of the things that is interesting is they are usually Mm self-limiting um because well just depending on like if it was a bite and then the saliva is gone out of the system then it goes away if it's inhaled allergies. Once whatever that is, is gone, then it goes away. So it could be seasonal. It could be, it just flares up randomly. Just yeah, Unfortunately depends on what's causing it. Um, but if a cat is a ser- severely affected, um, that's when we get those secondary infections because they're licking or they're scratching. So, um, then we may have to like deal with the secondary infection. So, just like any other immune system <laughs> disease, <laughs> um, history is going to be really important on these guys. Um, we just want to make sure, you know, what so their common presenting complaint, um, if it's like the, the oral ulcers is going to be changing in behavior, diet, blah, blah. If it's um, on the skin, or oh, not on the skin, but on the rest of the body, um, people may say, oh, they're over grooming. Um, Maybe they've got hairballs because they're over grooming. Um, It could be, you know, that severe itching where like they're, they don't want to be pet. So they're like, oh, they're just like standoffish. So really getting a history on them is, is big, you know, what kind of food do they eat? What kind of treats do they get? Any changes in the environment? Like, did you all of a sudden put new carpets in? Mm -hmm. Um, Parasite control. Did you move all those crazy things? Um, so full history, also asking them about the types of dishes that they're using for their food. Yeah, I think that's important. Yeah. And it. Um, I wish I, I wish I could see it, but I think there was just a, it was either an article or a study and I wish I could find it. I'll have to look for it. Um, that was talking about that. We're not washing our pet food bowls nearly enough. Oh, I believe it. And I was like, Ooh, guilty is charged uh, <laughs> that they were saying that they should have a fresh bowl every day. Yeah. And definitely. I was like, Ooh, <laughs> it's like, I don't remember the last time I clicked my cat's bowls, which is horrible. Um, but yeah, you know, especially like the plastic food bowls. Those are horrible oh, for cats because yeah. they scrape it with their teeth and, put scratches in it and then the bacteria sits in there. So, you know, knowing what they're, they're eating out of is is a big thing. And then physical exam, looking for any parasites or lesions, you know, kind of looking at that. So, um, differential diagnosis, <laughs> anything skin or dental disease or dental disease. Yeah. So, Do we have a fungal infection? Do we have a bacterial infection? Is it a viral infection? Is it a tumor? Is it an abscess? Any reason for inflammation? So it's like we're ruling out 5 billion things, just like every other immune disease, (laughs) Um, which I feel like immune diseases are the worst for clients because we're doing so much
1: we, well, we're doing so much testing and they're like, we're doing all this testing and like, nothing's coming back positive and you, they can't see the value and like what we've ruled out, like, unless and you're we like, tell- Oh,
0: but your animal doesn't have all these other things.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um,
0: when we do full lab work, sometimes we'll see with the CBC that we have an eosinophilia. Um, so that indicates allergy or parasite infection. Um, so. It's it points more towards this, but again, you have to rule out all the other things that cause eosinophils to go up. Yeah, imaging is not really a thing. We
1: don't I guess, take
0: X-rays or ultrasounds of these guys.
1: I guess if you were going to, though, like it'd be like probably dental X-rays to make sure that the teeth is fi- teeth are fine. Um,
0: yeah, because because yeah, sometimes you notice these things when they're there for their dental.
1: Yeah. Or you get that complaint I mean complaint.
0: hopefully not, but
1: you get that complaint of like drooling or chewing weird. And so you do a dental first and yeah. Yeah.
0: Hopefully I mean, hopefully you notice the lip lesions before the dental. Hopefully.
1: Depending on the cat, I guess.
0: Yeah. Um, the way to really diagnose this is biopsy or um cytology, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we do the biopsy cytology. It shows inflammation, shows the um, ulceration, but it really, it's like the infiltrative eosinophils that kind of um, cinch it. Yeah. So allergic seal reaction. Yeah, exactly. Eosinophils seal the deal on this one. Um, it You can't really tell the difference on biopsy between the three different types. So Again, it's another reason why they're kind of still all lumped together. Um, and they're treated pretty much the same. So we don't we don't differentiate them really. Um, and then the other special test that could be done is um intradermal skin testing. So um with a usually with a dermatologist where they're checking to see, you know, are there inhaled allergies or um I think they they also do like uh uh parasite saliva, right? Cause okay. I think you can find out if you're allergic to fleas or mites and stuff like that too. So nice. Um yeah, but I mean those other than that, there's not unfortunately a lot of special diagnostics. Um, just like with all the immune diseases, it's a trial by drugs. Yeah, definitely. Um, so once we know that this is what we're dealing with, um, ideally we've like really looked into the history to see, you know, what is the underlying cause? Is it food? Is it atopy? Is it parasites? Um, and try to one, eliminate the problem. <laughs> um, so, you know, it could be a food trial, um, with these guys, it's minimum of six to eight weeks, but sometimes I feel like these are like the eight to 12 week guys. Yeah. I would, yeah, I'd
1: probably agree with that.
0: Yeah. You should start seeing changes though by six to eight weeks, but really it's like eight to 12 weeks to see like how well they're going to improve.
1: Yeah. Um, I like how Penguin's like, yeah, yeah, penguins all over it. She's like, this is exactly. <laughs> She's right. like,
0: don't eat chicken.
1: <laughs> She's like, chicken's cause allergies. Don't eat them. <laughs> exactly. She's working up her protein level just just in case, like exactly.
0: <laughs> um, we're gonna we're gonna treat for atopy. So, inhaled allergies. Um, you know, doing like HEPA filters, um, cleaning frequently. Um, if there's like a change in the environment, like I've seen this where, you know, like somebody had hardwood floors, now they have carpet, um, or they get like wool blankets or yeah. like they change their couch, something like that. And then all of a sudden, like this animal's having an allergic reaction, it could be the new thing, which is frustrating. Yeah. Something
1: that holds the allergens
0: in. Yep. Yeah. Or if it's like wool, like, are they allergic to sheep? You know, yeah, super annoying. Um, the, All, I mean, honestly, unless for some crazy reason, these animals are not eating at all, or they have a systemic infection, this is all, all outpatient care. Um, so we're not really hospitalizing these guys um so outpatient care we're doing parasite control we may need to do like insect repellents um so not just like our typical like flea, yeah
1: yeah
0: but you may need to like spray the yard for fleas um you know or use natural insect repellents Um, I know like ants could be a thing. So like making sure we get rid of the ants. So the ants aren't in the cat food and then the cats eat the cat food with the ants on it. And it's a problem. Yeah. Um, the other thing I remember my, uh, the dermatologist I worked with, she talked about, um, Oh, I don't even remember what they're called, but I'm going to call them storage mites for lack of a better term. But apparently, um, there are mites that get into the food. Oh, um, and the animals could be allergic to the mite and not necessarily the food. Um, and she said the food is at higher risk if you take it out of the bag that it comes oh. in. So like, if you take it out of that and put it in a storage container and I was like, huh. And it's, it's kind of, to me, it's really interesting. Cause I definitely have used like those big tubs cause my cats yeah. would chew into the bag and get into the cat food they don't do that now, thankfully. But, um, I, I mean, I thought about it and I was like, well, I don't typically like super deep clean those bins when I put the new stuff in. So if there was a mite in there, it definitely could just keep populating if. Yeah, that's
1: true. So I just think that because I'm not good at closing the bags that like, (laughs) right. (laughs)
0: Well, and that was me too. Like I, either the cats chewed into the bag or the dog got into the cat food. It was a whole thing. Um, so ideally, right. You put the bag into the bin. Mm, yeah. That makes sense. If you've got that kind of a bin that would work with it. But anyways, it was interesting. I, so just food for thought for everyone. Um, the other thing is cleaning our food bowls daily. Ugh. i'm like a horrible pet owner as i'm reading these by the way
1: <laughs> i'm like ah you, you need more pet food bowls so that way you can just trade them out each day and then wash. No,
0: like you need Three. i don't know i do like, like once food. a week because i don't have kids <laughs> so i would need like seven sets of bowls yeah I'd, ha- I'd i'd end up doing more dishes because of the cats yeah <laughs> Um, using non-plastic bowls, you know, to prevent the chin scratches kind of thing. Um, so, like, the uh, stainless steel or ceramic is ideal. Um, doing food trials. We've talked about food trials in depth. Do novel proteins, which sometimes can be challenging with cats because I feel like cats get a smorgasbord as well sometimes. <laughs> um using HEPA filters, um, cleaning the environments. It re- honestly, it just depends on how allergic they are just like with yeah. any of us. Right. Like, do you have to clean your drapes? Do you have to like steam clean your carpets? All that fun stuff. Yay. Um, glucocorticoids could be used, um, depending on how severe the inflammation is and the itching. Um, which makes sense, right? Uh, if we're talking about immune re- related things. So usually like in our clinic, we use alone for these mm-hmm. guys. Um, and it depends on what they're allergic to. Like, do they just need a short course to get over the mosquito bite? Or is it long-term because they're allergic to the giant tree in your front yard? <laughs> Or, or are they allergic to you? Because cats can be allergic to people. Yeah, sucks. Just as much as we can be allergic to them, they can be allergic to us. Um, if we do long-term steroids, uh, using things like antihistamines, immune suppressives, like cyclosporin is a big one, or even like topical steroids, if you've got just like one or two lesions. Mm-hmm. So, if, you know, you just have a couple of lesions, we can use a topical steroid so they don't have to... Have all the systemic effects of steroids. Um, so like a hydrocortisone cream. I think talking about allergies is making my nose swell right now. And, <laughs> and I'm just like, Ugh. um, and then if you've got a secondary infection, we're treating for the infection. Ideally, we're culturing those lesions just to make sure that we have the right antibiotic or an antifungal or whatever is needed. Yeah. Because um, it could be any of those things, and then it used to be, which I thought this was interesting. It used to be that we would use um, oral female hormones, which I thought hmm. was kind of interesting. Um, but the problem is, we we've kind of fallen away from it just because of all the serious side effects. So diabetes, pyometra, an increased risk of mammary cancer. We're all seen by he- using oral,
1: um, female hormones. Yeah. That's, yeah. um, yeah, those are pretty severe. <laughs> I know. I was like,
0: Ooh, that's fine. You're not itching anymore, but you got mammary cancer. It's fine. <laughs> um, you can still use them, but it, they, they don't recommend it, but it's one of those, like if nothing else is working, you can do that. Um, I would also say, because because again, I worked with a dermatologist. Um, depending on what they're allergic to, you could try the sublingual immunotherapy mm-hmm. drops or the um, the allergy injections. Dep- again, depending on what they're allergic to. But <laughs> this is where you say, please go to a dermatologist. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> not it. <laughs> um and and as far as like one of the big things is just client education because again immune diseases uh, um they do require a lot of communicating with the clients and making sure that they um are compliant otherwise if they're not going to be compliant you're gonna they're still going to be suffering from these things so you know, depending on how bad it is, you know, do, do you recommend seeing a dermatologist? Um, yeah. And letting them know it, depending on your area could be months before you have your consult,
1: mm-hmm.
0: especially right now, like the pandemic. Woo. <laughs> right. Um, if, de- um, depending on the treatment you guys are using, um, it can take at least two to four weeks to start seeing improvement. So just understand this is not an overnight thing. They can reoccur or not fully resolve, depending on what medications and what the underlying causes and all that fun stuff. Um, it could be that this is a lifelong thing that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Usually it is. Usually it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's very rare that it's like, oh yeah, we're done. Um, if severe oral lesions are seen and there's some, there's some gnarly pictures on the websites, um, you can get, um, like erosion of the, the lip. Um, unfortunately once all the inflammation, every, everything is done, like it won't, it's not like the lip's going to regrow. <laughs> um, but It shouldn't get worse. So um once you kind of get yeah, it shouldn't get worse, but you may just still see like some disfiguration from it. Um and it I honestly like long-term goals really is about quality of life for these cats. So not being itchy, um, eating okay, not having you know a painful mouth and all that kind of stuff.
1: Secondary infections all the time.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and the other thing too, like. We may need to give these cats pain control um, if, especially if it's, it's oral lesions. Um, So pain control or maybe um, wet food, depending on like how sensitive they are with eating. Like if they came in for eating changes, it's not a bad idea to give some pain meds and some wet food, at least for like a week or two until things kind of calm down and they can feel better about eating. Um, Yeah good stuff. Yeah. This is really quick, but I mean there like the disease itself, like what it is is fairly straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact that it's immune related makes it complicated
1: for treating. Yes. I uh, yes, good old immune stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's the tip of the week. Uh, I'm going to say tip of the week for this week is check out, um, check out the resources. So the, the Cornell feline health center, um, Merck and stuff like that, especially if you're dealing with a patient that does have this and, and give clients those good resources, um, just to check it out. Because again, you know, we, you guys know, don't go, don't let them Google it.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Cause then they'll get on some crazy website. That's like spray Windex on it. Oh
1: my god! Just
0: kidding. Don't spray Windex on your cats. That's, that was from last week too. Yeah, you missed it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> nice circle back. Nice,
0: yeah. Nice callback on that one. Yeah. <laughs> and now for the question of the week.
1: Has anybody seen one of these recently? And how did the treatment and therapy go? If you were able to treat it.
0: <laughs> right well my cat yeah <laughs> um it's funny because i it looking back in her history it was always around the same time of the year like it was almost like exactly like the same week of the year that this would pop oh, up yeah and it would last for like two three weeks and would get away. on some steroids and it would go away and she'd be fine interesting so i don't know if it was like a plant was blooming that week I don't I don't know probably so and she always it was always like on her belly and she would just start like obsessively grooming and I'm like oh great um yeah I've definitely seen like the the road lesions in patients and I always feel so bad for those cats because they're just yeah those
1: ones make me feel bad because they look painful and like if your mouth is uh itchy and you're trying to eat I just I don't like those ones
0: and it's like, if you've ever bit your lip, right. Like that lesion.
1: Oh yeah. That hurts. You're just
0: like I can't yeah. eat. <laughs> so I understand why they don't want to eat necessarily normally.
1: Yeah. That was a short episode, but it was a good one. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. I, I think the big, big one on
0: this is, um, depending on the severity is, you know, refer clients to a dermatologist. Yeah especially if you've got, especially if they're hard to control or they're just really severe cases. Um, cause there's, there's a lot of things that the dermatologists can, you know, have up their sleeve yeah. to treat these guys. So I agree. Cool. All
1: right. All right. That's it. We'll be back next week.
0: <laughs> penguin, uh, hopefully, uh, hashtag save penguin.
1: Will, yes. Uh,
0: still be alive and well next week and she she won't she she seemed like she wasn't as offended by chicken by the end of this episode so
1: yeah no i'm really hopeful that by next week she'll be eating on her own and like pooping on her own without me having to <laughs> clean it up off of her and uh, you know, just be like more of a normal chicken. <laughs> I hope nice she's a little needy.
0: <sighs> so I mean this is what happens when you try to
1: have chickens it's just like my jam to get failure to thrive so i think
0: <laughs>
1: so all right oh, friends i think that's it for the week and um thanks for listening making a commitment to learning and we will talk at you all next week bye